Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. Before we get started with our Penn State information, just a quick reminder, this is the last week to sign up if you're interested in joining us for the Penn State trip down to Auburn in association with Collegiate Athletic Travel. We're offering the opportunity to make that trip, offering the flight down there, stay at the team hotel, transport to and from the game, tailgate party at the stadium, and Dustin and I will be there. You can talk with us. We're going to have a podcast from down there. You'll be able to participate in that. For more information, give a call at 800-788-4414. And remember, the deadline is Friday of this week, Friday the 22nd. So we'd love to have you join us. It'll be a great time. T. Frank, it's a great time to talk Penn State football. See the segue? See what I did there? I, yeah, we are less than two weeks away from the start of training camp. It is basically here. We're ready to go. It, it is incredible. And uh, Penn State has been busy on the recruiting front. Two wonderful linebacker commitments last week. Who better to talk to than the Thomas Frank Carr, the guy who watches the film with the trained eye and can give us the complete complete lowdown on these two players. Are you ready to do that, T. Frank? Yep, ready to go. He says with so much enthusiasm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Got a lot to say. Get... I, I'm just, I'm getting anxious to get to it, so I'm, I'm uh, keeping my, my affirmative short. <laughs> okay, very good. Well, without further ado, then, let's get to it. Let's start with Tony Rojas. Um, he was the first of the two to commit. He's out of Virginia, six foot two, 200, 205, depending on which service you're looking at. What's Penn State getting with Tony Rojas? Uh, speed. Just, un, I don't want to say unlimited athleticism because you can always twist that in any way you want, but basically unlimited athleticism. Um, he ran a 4-4-7 at Penn State, and uh, he's gotten faster since then. Played defensive end for Fairfax, played running back, uh, and while I don't think he is a running back prospect, I enjoyed watching him play running back because he's fast, he's explosive, he can get into the open field and make people miss, and as a linebacker, he gives you that freedom to play him wherever you want. Uh, you know, positionally. I think he's got skills as a pass rusher. He's got skills as a run defender. Um, so, you know, the, the number one thing for Tony Rojas is he's six foot two, 200 pounds with plenty room to grow, and he has uninhibited athleticism, I'll say. And maybe not unlimited, uninhibited. He can run in any direction. He changes directions really well. He bends really well. He's got great length. All of those things that you're looking for in a prototype of the position, he's got all of that. Uh, T. Frank, as we've talked about linebackers ever since Manny Diaz came in and Jonathan Sutherland moved from that safety position to linebacker, I've been kind of I, I, dwelling on that factor that one of these linebacker positions has changed a bit. Yeah. Manny Diaz calls it the striker position, right? That's yeah. what Jonathan Sutherland's playing. 
the way you describe Tony Rojas, it sounds like he could be a candidate for that position. Is that accurate? Yes and no. I think previously with Brent Prague, he would have been the Sam linebacker. Now, the problem is playing defensive end, he doesn't have a lot of coverage experience. So traditionally when Pense gets a defensive end, they move him to Will because you're in the box. The point is, and, and this is, I think, a really smart recruiting strategy, take a defensive end that knows how to take on blocks. Take a guy that has a really fluid understanding of run defense but isn't big enough to play defensive end. Use that athleticism and teach him how to cover. Um, so that would be, he's a, he's a will linebacker, but he's got the speed and the athleticism and the movement skills where originally when I watched his film and when Brent Pry was still the defense coordinator, I did him, I did have him at that Sam position because Penn State's other linebacker prospect that we're going to talk to about in a moment was also a will candidate. Things have changed with Manny Diaz. And by the way, Jonathan Sutherland in the latest uh, update is up to 211 pounds. So he's getting closer to that 215 threshold that I thought that's kind of where other Manny Diaz linebackers have played that have been safety-like bodies. But if we're talking about going forward in the future, I'll never say never because things can change, but uh, he's a will linebacker in this class. That's what they've talked about him as. He is going to be the weak side linebacker that is going to, uh, he's going to chase, he's going to tackle, and he's going to play in the box. You mentioned you know, Jonathan Sutherland's size. I mentioned when we started talking about Tony Rojas, I've seen him listed at 200. I've seen him listed at 205. Having seen him play, seen the size of him, how, how big can he get? What should be optimal weight for him? I, I'll put it that way. I don't think 230 would be hard for him. And here's, here's the great thing about guys with a big frame is you're not forcing it, right? So he is not – I would not say that he is uh, a, a really thick player, so he's not naturally bulky. But he's got long arms. He's got a wide frame. He's got a big chest where he can add a lot of muscle, a lot of good muscle mass. So despite the fact that I – you know, and, and comparatively so – Comparing him to some of the other guys that have made this transition, like Micah Parsons and uh, Keon Wiley from last year, those guys were much bigger overall, but he's got a big frame. So I, I don't think that 230, 235, if you wanted to get to 235, is out of the question, but his game is going to be speed. It's going to be explosive downhill attacking of the line of scrimmage. So I would say 230 is a good spot for him that he can easily attain. And then if he wants to and if he can, anything above that is is gravy. It's optimal. It's, you know, you've then got the way I wrote it is I would not be surprised if he's on a freak list at the end of his collegiate career where he is one of the freakiest athletes in the nation. And we're giving him, uh, you know, credit as such. Well, and that's what I was looking for. Some of these guys, you could just tell they have a large enough frame, but don't have the weight on them yet. Compared to other yep. guys, you see them coming out of high school, they're already maxed out. What you see is what you get. You're, you're yep. not going to get anything more from them. little bit different body type coming in. Tamir Robinson, who uh, was the second of the two four-star linebackers who came in last week. His commitment, I think, was on Friday. He's out of Pittsburgh. He is listed at 6'4", 225. Tell me about Tamir Robinson. Uh, yeah, a great compliment to Tony Rojas. And this is going to go, I think, into a little bit more 
of what we talked about with Manny Diaz's defense and what we're learning about what he wants from each position because we are operating off of old information, essentially, of this is what Brent Pry preferred in his positional players. What does Manny Diaz want? How does this defense work? So you mentioned Tammy Robinson is a little bit bigger than Tony Rojas, and that is one area where Tony is going to have to get better because he's so hyper-athletic, he can opt out of contact if he wants to. He plays with toughness, but he needs to play with strength. So he needs to get bigger. He does need to get stronger. Tammy Robinson doesn't need to get any bigger or stronger already, <laughs> but he can. So, you know, he is all of 6'3 and a half, 225. And uh, Jim, however big you want him is however big he can play. So that's the great thing about, T about Tamir is that his frame can support 240, I would assume. Uh, I know that uh, in some recruiting services, they have him listed as an edge defender because he played edge defender to start his uh, his career at Brashear this past season. And here, here's an interesting thing about Tamie Robinson, and this is why there's been so much confusion about him. So let's set the record straight, first and foremost, about what position he is. He's a middle linebacker. So to start the season, he was a safety his sophomore season. And he obviously outgrew that position. He wasn't going to be a safety. So they decided they were going to make him a hybrid player, kind of a jack outside linebacker slot defender. Um, if we, you remember, we talked about Damian Robinson, a little bit of what he was doing at Maryland. It didn't go well. I don't know that Tamir had the instincts to play edge defender. Um, and he had the athleticism to play in space. But when it came to coming off the edge... He was, uh, I think he was a little bit unsure of how to attack the football. He didn't play with the explosive speed and reckless abandon. There was still a lot of thinking going on. And then after a rough start to the season, they started experimenting with how do we get him closer to the football? How do we get him to the football more efficiently? And that's just my observation of watching him go from outside linebacker back to safety, and then everything clicked when he played linebacker. And this is a very long way of saying, if you tell me one more time that Tamir is an edge defender, I'm going to start shouting because I've watched him play that position. It didn't work. He is a linebacker. He's going to be, uh, I think he has the potential to be a, a higher ceiling player than Tony Rojas because of that frame. He's got explosive downhill skills. He gets the football. He finds it naturally. The difference between the two is because he played linebacker, we have more information about his positional skills, and he's a bit raw. Because in the middle of a 35 to nothing blowout in the second half, he started playing linebacker for the first time. And he was pretty good at it, but there's still some things he needs to learn. Unfortunately, he only played a couple of games before he tore his ACL. And now my question is, what are we going to learn about him in his senior season? And is any of that really applicable to who he's going to be? But I really like Tammy Robinson and that size and that explosive speed. There's a reason we're talking about Abdul Carter at Mike Linebacker when previously he would have been a pure will. He would have been a guy that is on that weak side, that chases, tackles. The biggest, strongest, freakiest athlete used to go at the will. I'm getting the sense that both of these guys ideally are freaks at the will and at the Mike, but the size is more important at Mike is from, from what I can tell. You have to run. You have to be able to run in this defense, but... Size is more important at that mic, which I think is more of a traditional approach of 
we're going to put a guy who's good in run defense there. So that's how these two shake out is Tamir is a, is a middle linebacker and traditionally will linebackers. They are smaller. They are not the biggest, fastest, strongest guy. This is, I think a little more traditional, but I wouldn't say six, two, maybe two thirty five, two thirty. That's not small either. So both of these guys have the potential to be complete players at the position with superstar qualities. Real quick, you mentioned his injury. What's his physical status right now? Uh, I don't know that he's participating in, in anything, but if you check his Twitter, he's been doing rehab stuff. He's been doing uh, work uh, to get back to that position. I, I would be speaking in ignorance if I said I knew what trajectory he's on uh, for the fall. Very good. That's going to be it for quarter number one, T. Frank. Great information on the linebacker recruits. Quarter number two... We're going to take a look at the rest of the defense that was recruited in this class of 23. Stay tuned for that. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lion's soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with Thomas Frank Carr. We know him as T. Frank. T. Frank, in quarter number one, we talked about the linebacker recruits that came in. Obviously, both highly regarded. Linebacker recruiting is in good shape. We want to take a look at the rest of the defense. I just want a reminder here, remind folks, remember not too long ago, T. Frank, we were looking at Penn State's recruiting on defense, 
and it was almost non-existent. There wasn't anybody. Yeah, and now yes. the, now the class is technically complete. They have eleven prospects, so they could field a full defense. Yeah, and 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 we were getting questions. You know, uh, could this Manny Diaz guy is he able to recruit T Frank? Uh, yeah, I, I think he, I I think he answered the question in the affirmative. As I said, quarter number one, we took a look at the linebackers. Let's look at the rest of this uh, recruiting class on defense. T. Frank, let's start with the defensive ends. Two mm-hmm. of them in the class, T.J. Parker uh, from Alabama, of all places, and from Philadelphia, Jamel Lyons. Those are the two defensive ends. What do you think those two? I think they're a great complement to each other because in, in Jameel Lyons, you have a guy that has tremendous upside. And I've compared him several times to, uh, to uh, Yitor Gross Matos, where maybe he doesn't have elite speed. I'd, I'd peg him probably in the low 4.7s, maybe 4.8 for his 40 time. But he makes up for it with great twitch off the ball, burst, and extreme length and strength. So you can, you can be a highly successful defensive end there. Um, and, and maybe he's a little bit faster than I'm giving him credit for. He's also 250-some pounds where, uh, there's a, if you check out his Twitter, he's 185, uh, and now he's 250 within a year. So he put on a lot of good weight. He looks great. He looks, I mean, he looks like an adult now. So it's, he's a very <laughs> impressive prospect, and he jumped up the on three rankings, which uh, were updated on Monday. And he went from in the 200s, I believe, all the way to 195. He was either not ranked or ranked lower. And uh, now he's the third player in the state of Pennsylvania. He's ranked as a defensive lineman, not as a pure edge defender. So he's 26th in the class there. But a very highly ranked player and one that Pense bet on the upside cause that they saw. And they were, I think, validated in the, in the latest rankings. Now, on the flip side, TJ Parker... He fell a little bit. He was a top 100 player. Now he's about 129. And I don't think that's unfair because what he brings to you is a very high floor. Great hands, great run defender. uh, But then when we talk about his ceiling, I think he's pretty close to his ceiling right now. But he's also really good. And, you know, the, the mental aspect of the game will obviously evolve as he gets more and more experience at the position. I think he's got room to improve physically. I'm not saying that he is not I'm not saying that he's not going to be good. But like if we're talking about the elite of the elite and we're now making hard hair splitting hair decisions, I do think he falls a little bit short in some categories. If he's good with his speed. He's got good strength, and he is a good combination of those two things. But as far as his, uh, you know, his profile, he's B pluses at everything. So being 130 in the country, I don't think is an insult. I think it's it's a it's a proper rating, and that gives you good context and good expectation of what he can be of an early, a player that plays early and is a highly productive member of the of the defense. But I don't know that he'll be a Dafe Owe or deny Dennis Sutton or what we expect deny to be. Uh, so they're a really good pairing of upside and and known quantities, and I really like this group. That's uh, very good there at defensive end. The question that we have at Penn State often, though, let's go to the interior. Let's go to the defensive tackles. Um, it's Tyreek Bland- Blanding and, I guess, Matthias Barnwell, yes. defensive tackle. Yes, that's where he's going to play at Penn State. So this is an interesting group because 
Penn State usually bets on the upside of players at defensive tackle because, as you've pointed out and we've talked about ad nauseum, they don't necessarily get the elite positional players here. There's a very there's a there's a few of them, and they they usually go to one of five schools. But Matthias Barnwell's different. I was looking this up as far as, you know, not to use length, which is more important, but just height as a proxy for length. Barnwell is six five and a half. He's almost six six. He's the tallest defensive tackle that Penn State has recruited since at least 2018. Here are the other guys that are six five: P.J. Mustafer, Judge Culpepper, and Joseph. Darkwa from Germany, who only one of those players has stayed at Penn State, and that's P.J. Mustafer, who's been Penn State's best defensive tackle over that time. Barnwell has elite upside, but he's 250, and it does kind of seem like he's trending towards staying that size for his senior season. So does he, when he gets to Penn State, put on the weight to become a 305-pound unstoppable force at defensive tackle, or... Is he going to always be a bit of a tweener, kind of like we've seen with some of the players at that position uh, already? That's the big question. I'm betting on his upside. I really like his game. I think he's got great pad level and strength for his size. His 30, I think, 35-inch arms are a a game changer as long as he can maintain his quickness and his athleticism and get bigger. But again, those are ifs. So losing out on some of the guys that have less ifs, that kind of brings this class down. And by the way, at Blue White Illustrated, I I did each group, I gave them a position grade. And defensive tackles, despite missing on some of those guys, are still a B. Because Tyreek Blanding, again, checking out his social media, 32 and a half inch vertical. And he's 270 pounds. So six foot three, athletic, great frame. He can be a 295 pounds player at that three technique. So I'm expecting that, at least one of these guys is going to be good <laughs> because they're both super <laughs> athletic. Well, let's uh, just one more question on both the defensive end and defensive tackle. They've got two of each. Are they done with the defensive line? Um, they, so yes and no, they can be done. Uh, there's a couple of defensive tackle prospects out there. Um, I, you know, Derek LeBlanc was one of my favorites in this class. He's committing, I think, think next week but it's Oklahoma like no one's expecting Penn State really to be a part of that now things could change you always say that with recruiting but it most everybody has to pick in for Oklahoma Will Norman is another player and I, I'll admit I haven't done as much work on him because his con, his commitment date has consistently been during the season so I have not really put in the work because it was not an eminent threat for me to have to have a film room ready. Um, <laughs> but, you know, those are some of the players. And Norman took a hit in the on three rankings. I don't think athletically he is uh, at that level, but he is bigger and stronger. He would be more of the complement to the two that they have. And then uh, Jalen Thompson out of Cast Tech is another name that Ryan Snyder, our recruiting insider, has been uh, keeping an eye out on, and I like him. I did take a look at him. I think he's another great complement, kind of a blend of the two guys they already have. Now, see uh, defensive end, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. And uh, gee, Cast Tech sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty good to Penn State with some of the players come out of there. Uh, when you're looking at Kalen and Kobe Kane. Yes, not not too bad. Uh, very good linebackers. Very good uh, defensive linemen. But, T. Frank, it's this defensive secondary. This is the star group, isn't it? Yes. Well, when you have two players uh, that are 
in the top 100 players in the country, and they're in the secondary, according to On3. It's hard to do better than that. Now, I'll say the one area that's a little bit of a bummer is I got super excited about Cam Seldon out of Virginia. Um, was trending to Penn State for a very long time, but some things that happened late. He goes to Tennessee. He now wants to play offense. I thought if he were a part of this group, it was a transformative ascendant group. It's still amazing. Like, this is still an A-plus secondary. When you've got King Mac, who is, uh, you know, a little bit undersized, but just a... I hate using this word, but he's just a baller. He's so good at football. He's strong. He plays big. He's got good length for his size, and he makes plays on the ball. His teammate, Conrad Hussey, we talk again about upside, elite movement skills, and very good ball skills, probably on par with Mac. Learning safety still. I think he has corner-like abilities. You got two guys that have uh, great floors and, and better upsides, I think. And then Elliot Washington, another top 100 player, who is uh, maybe we go back to our conversation about TJ Parker of the upside isn't there. He's 5'11", maybe a little bit shorter of a frame. But outside of that, he's everything you want. So does he have, does he have um, prototype size? Probably not, but I love everything about his game. Downhill burst, explosiveness, he's strong, he's 5'11", 190, he's a unit, and he's a corner. So they've got flexibility, positional versatility, and then Dakari Nelson, if you don't look at him as a safety, if you look at him as, a, as an underneath defender, as that striker position, six foot three, man coverage skills, good speed, I don't think you could do a lot better when you're looking for a unique blend of skills to put in that position. He can be 220 pounds easily, and and that, I think, is a quality prospect to add. He's not a part of the on 300, but I think if you look at him in his projecting him to his position at Penn State and not just to a safety, changes a lot of stuff. And then, of course, you can't forget about Lamont Payne, who started this class in the secondary, who has great length, above-average athleticism, a grinder of a human being that puts in the work to be great and has great positional skills and I think has good ball instincts. So overall, no weak links with some elite players in this secondary, uh, led now by King Mack, who is the 88th overall player in On3's update. So another top 100 player. Well, and we when we look at this class overall, what sticks out a little bit is, on, I'll say, only two linebackers and five DBs. You mentioned Dakari Nelson, as possibly becoming a linebacker. So that's always got to be a factor in looking at this group, correct? Yeah, and Pensey can can add a third linebacker. So that's still an option in this class. I don't know what happens then. Truthfully, like this is all kind of up in the air. If you're adding three linebackers and you have two spots, Tamir and Tony Robinson, uh, Tony Robinson, I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> Tamir Robinson and Tony Rojas, they, they are the guys in this class, but... Penn State might add a third linebacker. So does that change how they view one of those guys? I, I will have to find out. I don't really know. But you have then flexibility, excuse me, to play players at the positions that they end up working out best at. You can have a linebacker at that same position. That's another option. It just becomes, you know, how well does that player play in coverage? Because that is the point of that field, that field backer position now is more of an emphasis on coverage and the ability to play multiple downs. And the other part to this is you can't have too much talent. You're right. Not all of it's going to come to fruition, so just just acquire as much talent as you can when you're recruiting. 
All right, T-Fank, that's it for quarter number two. Quarter number three, we're going to take our listener questions, and we're going to ask T-Frank. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State-Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante with T. Frank Carr, and it's quarter number three. That means it's time to ask T-Frank. This is where we have T-Frank answer your Penn State football and recruiting questions. You want to submit a question? Download our app from the App Store. Just search on Keystone Sports, and you'll see it there with the great Ask T-Frank button. And every week, we will pick out a winner with the best question, and that winner will receive a copy of Why Penn State, the book by Greg Woodman, which is available at whypennstate.com, or you could get it out at Amazon. And great book, mostly talking about the decade of the 80s, when Penn State really became Penn State. It's a great read. Uh, send in your questions so you could win. If not, go to whypennstate.com, and you could get the book on your own. All right, T. Frank, you ready for the questions? Let's do it. All right, let's start with Doug in Lewistown. He says, enjoying the show, guys. T. Frank, what do you consider Penn State's top three competitive advantages, and how can they leverage them over the top-tier teams to become the team that goes to the playoffs? (laughs) Okay. All right, so top three advantages. I meant to think about this for a second. I've, I think I've got two. 
Um, so the first thing I'll say is that James Franklin is an, an evaluator of talent. And I always say that, and people think I'm talking about, oh, well, he is a recruiter. But he evaluates good coaching talent as well. He's found routinely good coaches to come in and 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 coach the Nittany Lions. Has he got has he been flat-footed a couple of times where a guy suddenly leaves to go to Alabama and he has to replace a receiver coach with a running back coach? Yes, that's happened. But, you know, the course correction that has happened over time and I think the ability to identify a quality plan and to get pl- coaches in place to coach, I think that's a I think that is a strength of this organization. So putting people in place uh, to succeed. Secondly, um, I would say that, and this is coming from all the recruits that come to Penn State, and the reason that they say they want to go to Penn State is that uh, it's a family atmosphere. So, so players feel comfortable being themselves and being a part of this organization, and uh, you can still get to the NFL with that. So I think that is you don't hear that about all of the all of the schools that produce top level talent. So if you're looking for a holistic ad, a kind of college football experience, I think Penn State can provide that to you. Now, if you're an elite talent that you just want to get through and get to the NFL and you don't care about that, then of course that's not going to be an advantage to you, but for a lot of these families and and for some of these prospects that that is an important thing that we hear routinely is that uh, they feel connected to the coaches. They feel everyone's real, and they get a a sense of family and and community at Penn State. So, those two selling factors I think are important. And then, uh, the whiteout I think would be the third one as far as like the the atmosphere at Penn State that Penn State fans routinely create. Um, you know, I think that is something that you you hear. I think it was Tammy Robinson who said, "I went to the whiteout and I told my mom." This is where I want to play football. And that has a huge effect on players. Now, it's not always the deal breaker, right? It's not always the thing that makes it happen. But having those elements, I think, all make you a big-time program. And if you can then get over the top and find a way to get some of the elite talent to say, you know what, I'd rather go there than Columbus, especially in the region, uh, then you have the, the opportunity to compete. Uh, two quick notes. One of them, the whiteout. You hear that over and over again from recruits. They come from whiteout and, and they're sold. The second thing, and this is probably going, I'm going to come across as a Penn State homer, which I am. But with that <laughs> said, you, you know, we talk about the, the, the prize for the best question here in the Why Penn State book. And it's very good at catching on what is special about Penn State. And I do think it is special. There's something special going on there, and it has over the decades. And an atmosphere has been created, and James Franklin has embraced that and embraced yep. what it means at Penn State. I believe, you know, a lot of people will judge James Franklin, especially the record the last two years. But especially when it comes time to recruiting, he has embraced what Penn State is all about and is very good at selling that meaning to the players. Yeah. And it, it's not the right place for every player. That's obvious. But yeah. for a lot of players, it, it is very important. And James Franklin is the right guy to present that. Let's go to Brad in Percasey who says, Since Sean Spencer left and John Scott took over, 
has Penn State switched the style of defensive end that they recruit? Feels like they prioritize length over speed now, where before uh, it was the opposite. What do you think? Who's, sorry, I, I didn't catch who this asked is, this question. This is Brad in Percasy. Okay. Um... No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they've changed their style of defensive end. Maybe they've just gotten better prospects. You know, uh, I think everyone wants length. I think everyone wants uh, speed. <laughs> I think everyone wants both. Um, you've got some unique talents, and also the, there hasn't been a lot of time, right? So there hasn't been a lot of time for all of this to shake out. So you have a situation with Deny Dennis Sutton where that's a five-star talent in your region, goes to a school that is a pipeline to Penn State. So you're going to get that guy if you can get that guy. You're, like It doesn't matter if he fits your profile or not. You're getting that guy. Um, and then uh, maybe, maybe there's a slight emphasis more on, I'll use this word again, holistic profiles more so than speed. I think that might be a, a, a valid point you've made. But I don't think they are trending so far away from speed because you need to be able to bend the edge. You need to be able to get to the quarterback. And Chop Robinson is that. <laughs> so you've got, you got, you got a guy like that coming in through the portal who's got elite speed and bend. Arnold Abikiti was the same player that uh, wasn't the biggest guy in the world. And both of those guys they've prioritized in the portal. Uh, some of the other guys they prioritized in the portal that they didn't get had the same thing. So I think it's a product of uh, circumstance more so than a targeted approach. But if you are saying I have to choose, I would say maybe they're leaning a little more towards length more so than just getting guys that are fast and hoping they develop. I think also, T. Frank, we see a recruit and think it's a trend where I think the biggest trend is, is the guy talented? Yes, Penn State fans, you see a Trace McSorley quarterback and you decide that's the style of quarterback that Penn State's recruiting. Well, Drew Aller looks physically very different. Oh, now they're changing the style of quarterback. No, what they're, what they're recruiting is talent. Yep. So I think that, that's got to be part of this discussion also. All right, let's go to Keith in Hollidaysburg who says, uh, PFF seems to be a great resource in understanding football to a deeper level in what order does uh pro football focus rank penn state's recruiting offensive line members and how do our guys compare to other big 10 linemen in those ratings and do you have confidence in the accuracy of the rating systems now i know you you don't have that in front of you but maybe as a general comment so PFF one last do high school so just so you know pff does not do high school uh, i don't know no, he's talking about the return Penn State's returning players. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. And before before you go answer the question, Keith did have one last uh, comment. From our conversations at Lift for Life, Wings Over Happy Valley was my pick, <laughs> and it was great. Way better than eating pizza. Well, Keith, uh, Keith I'm glad you found some wings. Uh, and I, we had a great conversation <laughs> at Lift for Life. Uh, I... Um, I never liked, and I, I hope this doesn't offend anybody. I hope they're not a sponsor of the show. I always got their wings, and they were soggy. And I don't know if that was just because my roommate always got the uh, the boneless wings, which is a, is totally not a thing. Boneless wings are just chicken tenders for adults. 
Um, but they were I, I, I they were not my particular style. The sauce was Could great. I interrupt? I'm, if, if we're talking wings, this is an area I have some expertise. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, perhaps a little too much if you go back to our conversation before before we even got on the air. But boneless wings are just wrong. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, to the to the question about the offensive line returning. So you got limited sample size for a couple of these guys, including Landon Tangwall. He was the highest rated offensive lineman with 117 snaps. He had an 81.9 overall. His pass blocking, 85.2. Those are all very good numbers. I know he was in their breakout category for this year because of his pedigree, his production, all those things. Uh, Olu Fishanu, in his limited plays, 85 plays, he had an 88.2 pass blocking grade. And do I trust the the grades here? Yes, I do. Um, I have trained, as you've heard before here, I've, I trained at PFF. I understand the system. I understand where it's weak. I understand where it's strong. I know which areas to take from and which areas to uh, explain when it comes to, here's what you're seeing, here's some of the factors involved. But it's a unit of production is what your grade is. How well did you produce on the football field? It's kind of a bottom line I don't care if you're injured. I don't care X, Y, or Z. This is how you produced on the field. So those two guys, very promising candidates coming back. Uh, guys that have more of a body of work, not as much. Juice Scruggs, a 67.5 overall grade. That's good. Um, I'm so, Yeah, 67.5. That, that's a good number. He's going to be in a situation with better talent around him. So that's going to be an improvement. Uh, the one area that everyone has been curious and questioning and I think is a fair uh, assessment of the situation is uh, is Caden Wallace on the right side. He struggled last year. He was not he was not good in his first season. But when I talked to him at Lift for Life, he had been talking about bend, flexibility, mobility. Those are the things he was working on this offseason. And he's not untalented. It's just that he was struggling in a position in a scheme to really grasp everything and, and kind of let it all click and let his mind uh, let go of the situation, let his body take over. And he seems to be in a better position this year. I think he can be a better player. And overall, the offensive line is going to improve. And if he is percentages better, then the offensive line can function. So I, I think that that is a good combination they have up front. And uh, I would say that they are not overly uh, positive coming into the season, but I think there's more to be gained there with some of the guys, especially on the left side, providing more talent. We need a winner, T. Frank. Three good questions today, uh, but Doug in Lewistown, I thought, had an insightful and unique question, so the uniqueness. Sorry, Keith. I don't want to play favorites. That was a good question, but we're going to go with Doug. <laughs> Very good, Doug. We'll get be getting in touch with you soon. That's it for quarter number three. Stick around. We're going to keep talking recruiting in quarter number four. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. 
featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno. This beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti. It's quarter number four. That means it's time for our Penn State Rivals recruiting update with Richie Schneider-Wright. Richie, off a couple weeks. Great to have you back, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, it was a nice uh, little vacation, but I came back to a bunch of commitments, so it, it was a, a short vacation, I would call it. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was just a coincidence that with you out, they started committing, so we'll, we'll just call it that. However, if they go into a drought now, I'm going to send you on vacation again just to get things moving. But while you were gone, it was exciting. Penn State's been recruiting really well on the defensive side of the ball, really stacking up four-star type guys. And last week, while you're away, two linebackers, two really good linebackers in Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson committed to Penn State. What are the Nittany Lions getting with those two, Richie? I mean, just looking at both their tapes, they're both super explosive guys. They're both highly ranked four stars. Um, I think Tamir's ranked in the 90s for us. Rojas is like 102, 109, something like that. Um, They're just both sideline to sideline players. If you watch Rojas' tape, he's just got a really explosive first step, and that's what you love to see in those linebackers. Now, now can he work on some stuff? Yeah, of course, everyone kind of can in the high school level. Um, even off the edge, Rojas shows like a little bit of a edge rusher type of capability. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of fits in this, uh, the linebacker you that, uh, Manny Diaz is trying to develop over here, uh, or redevelop, I guess I should say over here at state college. And then, uh, Robinson's the more intriguing one, in my opinion, because he, he's coming off a serious injury and he's still highly ranked as could be. And he's, he's looked good in like the little camps he's done. I know he didn't do much workouts at the recent two tenths camp, but, uh, from what I was told, is he's still looking just as good as ever. Um, th- these are both going to be two very, very good linebackers, and they've both been projected to Penn State for, <laughs> I want to say, eight months now, seven months, something like that. So it's finally nice to have these guys locked in, ready to go, and then uh, you're kind of just about done with linebacker recruiting. Now you can focus on other positions. 
Well, one of the things I want, because I'm asking a couple different folks about this, because it's two linebackers, but it almost feels like, again, with Jonathan Sutherland moving up to the linebacker position, this is what Manny Diaz calls, right, his striker position. Yeah. And they've got several safeties. Might need one of these days take one or two of those safety recruits mm-hmm. from this year and say, you know what, that's the Jonathan Sutherland type uh, linebacker, actually. Yeah, we've kind of said this too. When Dakari Nelson first committed, he's he's a legit like six three six, almost six four, like two hundred two hundred ten pounds. It it's only a matter of time till he probably gets bumped down to a linebacker spot, or he kind of like you said, he plays that hybrid type role that um what most defenses are kind of going for now, like a coverage type linebacker that can also tackle and do everything a linebacker could do, but also go back in coverage when need be. And I think that's where a guy like Dakari Nelson's going to kind of fit into this defense. Um, Obviously, another highly ranked kid. I think he was in the top 100 as well for us. And uh, I think it, technically it's two linebackers, but if you want to count Nelson as a hybrid type, that could be three right there. And that, that's why I kind of think they might just be done with linebackers completely. And I'm guessing also defensive backs, when you recruit five of them, and even if you move one of them into the linebacker position, mm-hmm. it seems like you did pretty well there. By my count, three defensive linemen, Maybe that's where you might see one or two more recruits. Am I correct on that? Yeah, I would I would say that's pretty spot on. I know um, Jameel Lyons is one that everyone keeps talking about as a defensive end. But if you look at like his Twitter feed, or most recently he posted something that he gained like 60, 70 pounds of muscle on Twitter, which was incredible to start with. But I, I think his body and his frame kind of just screams defensive tackle to me at the next level. So that would leave Blanding, him, and potentially Matthias Barnwells, too, as three defensive tackles right there. So for people that are kind of complaining about the interior defensive line recruiting, you got three of them already, and two of them are four stars. So it's like, it's pretty interesting. And then at defensive end, you only kind of have Tamarian Parker. And like I said before, Rojas could become an edge-type guy maybe in the future, but at the moment there's only one DN, so I'm thinking they're probably going to push for another defensive end whether that be via the high school route or via the portal, like what they did with Chop Robinson a couple months ago. Well, and that's such a valuable position, and especially Mm -hmm. the way Manny Diaz talks. When I loved his answer when he was talking about the best pass coverage is pressure on the quarterback. It tells you, you know, just how the guy is thinking. Let's go to the other side of the ball on offense. And, And it's funny, just a couple months ago, our conversation was, gee, they have nobody on defense. You know, when's Manny Diaz going to start recruiting? I think he's kind of answered that question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the offensive side of the ball, though, they had one re- one quarterback recruit, Marcus Stokes. We know now that he has moved on. And it's a little late in the quarterback game because most of the high-level recruits are gone. But with Penn State... Sean Clifford will be gone after this year, which leaves them three scholarship quarterbacks. And you and I talked about this off the air. There's no guarantee that all three of those guys will be coming back for the 23 season. It's pretty important for them to get another quarterback, isn't it? Yeah, I'm a big believer of the fact that you should probably recruit a quarterback every class, whether it just be for depth or whether you think the guy has potential to start down the line. I still think just to keep a quarterback room like not from being depleted with the via the portal the way it is now. I think you got to get one at least every class. Now, the interesting part is that um, OC Mike Yurich, Yursich has uh, followed a couple different quarterbacks recently. We've been kind of like 
tagging along just to see who he's followed. And they're all mostly committed elsewhere. There's a Tulane commit. There's a Cincinnati commit, uh, Illinois, Harvard, UNLV. Like Now, these aren't the biggest names in the world, but if you're that confident that a guy like Aller is going to be your future or a guy like Bo Perbula is going to be your future, even a Christian Velu, this would probably just be a depth addition. And that's kind of what I thought it was going to be regardless, either with, with, with or without Stokes in this class. So, I mean... It's, it's going to be a little tough to convince one of these guys to flip, I think. But at the end of the day, I mean, if, if they want to play for Penn State, it could, could be a little of a intriguing. And I'm sure they're going to host some, a couple quarterbacks over the next couple of weeks. I'd keep a close eye on the Lash Bash because they're going to have a bunch of different guys on campus. And I'd be shocked if at least one or two of these quarterbacks didn't show up. And you make a good point, though. At this point in time, it's not just about do we want the, you know, the next three or four year starter, mm-hmm. how about just getting someone there in case the worst case scenario happens, an injury or two, you might need a guy who's just able to put the uniform on and get under under the center. Yeah, it, it's it's a tough uh, it's a tough decision for some of these kids. So like for example, like the UNLV commit, like yeah, of course you want to go to the biggest school possible or the biggest program possible, and obviously Penn State's a million times bigger than UNLV in terms of football but uh do you want to go there and be the backup for a couple years or do you want to go and go to UNLV and potentially start it's it's a conversation that probably has to be had with the kid and his parents um it it is going to be interesting though because do you as much as you want to get that four-star recruit and that five-star every year at quarterback I just don't think that's reasonable anymore with the transfer portal and when you get a guy like a Drew Alar who's ranked so highly or so highly ranked and a guy that's probably going to be your starter for the next three to four years whether that be next year or the year after that um it it is hard a little bit even harder to recruit then because now you got to sell the vision like hey you could be the starter but you got to beat out this guy who's like super talented (laughs) but there are these guys who are they're just so confident in themselves you know uh just maybe before your time matt mcloin at penn state he came in where there were several highly regarded um quarterbacks but who ended up at you know, on top. So it does happen, uh, you know, and there's lots of examples, the, the, the walk-on quarterback who wins a national championship at Georgia. So, yeah. So it, so it does happen, and I'm, you know, probably bringing up the exceptions to the rule, but it does occur. Just for completeness sake, uh, you and I, again, we were talking before we got on the air, uh, Florida State, interesting enough, had a recent decommit. But this probably is not a prospect to come up to Penn State. He's probably headed to another Southern school, correct? Yeah, so Chris Parson is his name. Parson or Parsons, I can't remember, to be honest. But, um, yeah, he, he decommitted recently, and I, I know you mentioned it off the air. They've, they've had a ton of decommitments at the quarterback position over the past couple of years at Florida State. But, um, yeah, it sounds like he's going to go to the SEC. It sounds like Mississippi State's been pushing pretty heavily for him. I know a couple Penn State commits. We're quote tweeting his decommitment, say come, come home, come home. We are, all that good stuff. But it it does sound like he's going to end up in the SEC. So that I'd probably cross that name off my list. Um, like like I said before, we we put a pretty extensive list together on our our message board between Illinois, Harvard, UNLV, uh, Tulane, Cincinnati. There's an Iowa State kid. Like there's a bunch of names that Penn State's looking at. It's just a matter, are you going to be able to flip these guys or not? And you would think they'd be able to get at least one of them to flip just the name value, the opportunity to come to Penn State. And despite 
you know, Vayu and Drew Aller being so highly regarded. And mm -hmm. as you pointed out to me, we shouldn't forget about Bo Perbola, who apparently has looked very good. That's, that's still not a lot of quarterbacks. So y you never know when you might get that chance. Uh, with that said, okay, that's quarterback. I would think now they at one point had four offensive line commits. They had one decommit go to Georgia. I would think they would want at least one, if not two more uh, people at offensive line. One name we hear about is Evan Link. Where are we with him? And are there any other names at offensive line that we should know? Uh, yeah, we should, we submitted a future cast for Evan Link to end up at Penn State, um, I think a week ago, two weeks ago. So so we're pretty confident. We're hearing a lot of good things about uh, the Nittany Lions and Link. Uh, he did go visit Stanford uh, a couple weekends ago. Uh, I think it was the last weekend in June. But uh, it does sound like Penn State kind of sold him, and that it seems like there's a very, very good chance he becomes a Nittany Lion. And then the other name I'd keep a close eye on is Stanton Ramil. He took a, an official visit midweek in June. Um, I want to say it was the second or third week, somewhere between then. Uh, he, he's a name that uh, one of the tackles that they're really showing a lot of interest in. He actually ha he has an offer, obviously. Uh, I took a visit, loved it, and now it's kind of just a waiting game. It might be like if, if Penn State could push a little bit after this, uh, this dead period ends, then I wouldn't be shocked if he'd be a commitment by the end of, by end of July, early August, around that area. So, I mean, and there's a couple he... of different guys. And where is he from? Uh, Stanton Ramil, I forget exactly. I f can look it up real quick. I should have had that one pulled up. That's my fault. Alabama, of course, because that's that's where all the Penn State commits are from now. <laughs> yeah, one of Penn State's hot recruiting regions now is Alabama, along yeah. with Florida. So um, it's obvious they are making inroads. And again, mm -hmm. I'm going to point to uh, in the obviously Juwan Sider, who's from Florida, and now Manny Diaz from down mm -hmm. Florida. I'm sure they both have had a lot of effect on that, that positive reaction we're seeing from uh, kids down south. Richie, thanks so much for all the information, but that's it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Be sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are...
Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. 